Well, good morning. Mark Rogers here. Early morning, Common Thoughts of Christ. And it is good to be once more in the backyard podcasting out. These early spring mornings are absolutely beautiful. And um, I, uh, I look through forward to getting through the winter so that I can get out into the backyard in the springtime like this. And uh, I hope you have your Bible with you. And, uh, you know, it's just a blessed thing to be going through this book of Ezra right now because, as I said before, Ezra has so many applications, so many principles for us to learn today in the day that we're in. And so it's a blessed thing to uh, take these up a little bit of a time here on these podcasts. If you if you're over on the video platforms, YouTube and Facebook, uh, thanks for joining. If you're out there on the uh, audio podcast platforms, Amazon, Google, we're now on Google and a variety of other ones, you can like and subscribe and share uh, for others. But I just wanted to quickly jump into we're halfway over halfway into. Uh, Ezra here, Ezra 5 particularly here. We're going to take the last half of this chapter today and note some things about the enemy. If you've got your coffee along with you, I've got got my coffee. Got to have my coffee on the back porch. <clears throat> get your Bible. And also, um, uh, you know, if you're driving, I was thinking about this too, you know, a variety of people are doing a variety of things on days like this. And some people are driving in the commute right now. And so keep your eyes in the road, but uh, we'll meditate upon some of these things. Maybe you're in your RV somewhere uh, enjoying kicking back. Uh, maybe you're in a hospital bed. Maybe you're in a convalescent center. Maybe you're just shut in. Uh, maybe you're on the go. Maybe you're mowing your lawn. I, I mow my lawn sometimes and watch some podcasts along the way as well. So it's a beautiful thing to meditate upon these things and these principles as we go along. So let's get into uh, Exodus, or I'm sorry, Ezra chapter 5 here, and let's start in on this. All right, so we had last time, we had the um, opposition, the enemy coming up to the elders. And uh, remember these folks coming out of, they're coming, they came out of Babylon with a purpose. They wanted to meet according to how Jehovah would have them to meet, right? And it's a beautiful thing. They had a purpose and they wanted to go back to his divine center. And when it's all said and done, there's less than 50,000 people, these remnants, these Jews, particularly out of, the, out of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, they are coming back and they are desiring to be how God would want them to be. Now, they have a bunch of brethren, millions of brethren back in Babylon. These ones did not have any desire to come back to the land to um, when, when God told Cyrus, the king, um, the pagan king, the Gentile king, go ahead and let them go back. We read about that earlier. Why only 42,000 or so came back and had the desire. These ones get back into the land and now they find out, <clears throat> they find out that um, uh, they get disgruntled. Not dis they, they, get, they get discouraged is the word. They get discouraged because we saw the enemy hit them up here two chapters back, right? They hit them up. And so for 14 years, 15 years, they left off building the temple. They're in the process of building the temple right now. They laid the foundation. You can read about that at the last two verses of chapter three. They laid the foundation. They just a big cry, a big roar of rejoicing and weeping at the same time. But 
they they got opposed by the enemy. They got discouraged by the enemy. And so now we're going to see a second attempt on the by the enemy here, which actually, interesting enough, every time the enemy is throwing this their way, I, I find that the revival kind of spurs out of it, right? And so it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, we see them last time on our last podcast, uh, Ezra 5, about the third verse. <clears throat> These ones come up to him and say, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this mall? What, verse 4, what are the names of them that make this building? Isn't that interesting? The enemy comes with questions, and the enemy wants to know when God's work is going on, who is doing this? And I bring this up as a recap here because it's going to lead into this very interesting letter that we see here in uh, the, the sixth verse all the way to the end of chapter five here. This is a letter that is being sent directly back to the king Darius back in Babylon or the Medes and the Persians, that is. <clears throat> And um, they're going to send this letter. But I think what's very, very interesting about this letter is the enemy is looking and watching what we're doing. And oftentimes the enemy sits there and misconstrues something but and, and lies about something. But interesting enough, the enemy is pretty accurate in their details. So let's get into that here in just a second here. For those of you that are on the uh, audio only, sometimes I got to stop and take a swig of water because, um, well, that's what it is when you're, when you just when we're just talking away here. Sometimes we need a little swig of water. Anyway, so let's pick it up in Ezra five or six. The copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shethar uh, Boznai and his companions, the Afarsakites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. They said they sent a letter unto him wherein was written thus unto Darius the king, all peace be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea to the house of the great God, which is built with great stones and timbers laid in the walls. And this work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we those elders and said unto them thus, who commanded you to build this house? And to make up these walls, we asked their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were chief among them. They want to do a little reporting, right? And thus they returned us an answer saying, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. And we build the house that was built of these many years ago, which a great king of Israel built it and set up. And after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. I want you to re remember verse 12 here. But after this, our fathers had provoked uh, the God of heaven and wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. But, but in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And it talks about the vessels that he ordered them to take back. And verse 16, then came the same Shalsabar, and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, hath, I, hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. Verse 17, last verse of chapter 5. Now, therefore, if it seem good to the king, 
let there be a search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king to uh, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. Interesting letter, isn't it? This is a letter sent by the enemy to King Darius. And they actually do a very pretty good job of reporting it. That uh, uh, and they actually re reveal to us a little bit of the response of the Jews that were working on the wall. Back in verse three and four, we're not given an account of what their answer was directly to the enemy. However, in this letter, they do give an account. They do give an account, and they give it pretty accurately. And I wanted to I wanted to look at verse eleven and twelve particularly. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth and build this house. They state their purpose. They state their mission of who they are and what they're going to do. And that's a beautiful thing, right? In the business world, in the business world, that is a classic, classic example of a planning document of who we are and what we do. And so it goes for the believer as well. Do I define who I am and what I do? And do I see that I'm a child of God? Do I see that I have all the royalty of heaven upon me in a heavenly sense? Do I see that I'm a citizen of heaven? And if I if if that's all true, if that's all true, what do I do about it? What's my purpose? Am I building my own kingdom here on this earth? Is that what a, he a heavenly citizen would do? Am I am I to be striving after riches and fame? Is that is that what a heavenly citizen would do? Hmm. These are interesting things because we have to have consider who we are and what we do, and they got to be congruent with one another, right? And so in verse 11, Ezra 5, verse 11, and also verse 12 here, we're going to find out that who they are and what they do is congruent. It's on the same page. And the problem comes in is that when I don't, I don't re remember who I am. I don't remember who, that I'm a heavenly citizen. I don't remember that I'm a child of God and I'm doing other things on the other side. Yeah, the world watches us. Question for you. Has the world ever called you out on something? You know, I've had that happen. I've had that happen where the world's called me out on this, that, or the other thing that I might have said. Mark, I didn't think that would come out of your mouth. Yeah, that's striking. That's striking. I haven't been like the biggest witness out there. I don't out, I'm not out banging and preaching the gospel in a public way, but you know, interesting enough, they watch, they watch, and all of a sudden they find out, huh? You know what, Mark? What you just came out of your mouth is not congruent with who you who, who you your being is. Isn't that interesting? You know, it goes to say, what does the Lord Jesus talk about those vessels, right? Those vessels in the New Testament. He says, you know, what's what's what comes out of the uh, what comes out of a uh, if if dirty water comes out of a clean vessel, right? There's that principle. Um, it's it's not congruent, and so it's it's important to see. It's important to see, have our actions and who we are to be congruent. But let's continue on to verse 12. This is beautiful. Verse 12. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. Every revival that comes along has this element of acknowledging what we have done wrong. What we have done wrong, we acknowledge to God, we have failed. 
And these ones that came back 70 years later acknowledge to the enemy that we turned our God to wrath. What did they do? Jump back 70 years, jump back 100 years. They were given an, over into idolatry. God had enough. And, you know, right now I'm reading in 2 Kings, 2 Kings 17, 18, going into 19. And that's the story. That's the story right there of God has had enough of the idolatry. And Assyria rolls in. Assyria wants to take him. God says, no, Assyria is not going to take you. And um, Hezekiah is the king at that time. It's a beautiful story, by the way. If you want a, a beautiful, beautiful meditation, um, look at the book of Hezekiah. And I'll give you the, th the three portions. I don't have them off the top of my head, but you can chew on it. Hezekiah, you'll see him there in 2 Kings 17, 18, 19. You also see a portion in 2 Chronicles. Was it 2 Chronicles 20? You can do your own search. Compare those two, uh, those two accounts on Hezekiah. Beautiful. And then jump over into Isaiah, the middle part of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is reporting on that as well. And if you want a little meditation for yourself, go ahead and jump in and just read, the, uh, just look up Hezekiah in a concordance, right? Or in a, in a uh, yeah, in a concordance um, where you can see the different places that he shows up. And he's going to show up in those three places, Second Kings, Second Chronicles, and also Isaiah. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to see um, that man. He has his failures. He has his failures, but you know what? These kings that have a revival like that, they do what they see here in verse 12. Our fathers had provoked the God of heaven into wrath and gave them the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. We sinned against God. And that is what is so beautiful, is when we acknowledge our failure. And the enemy, I just want to pause here, just pause and think about this for a second. This is the enemy reporting on this, and they're doing an accurate job of it. You know, I woke up this morning. Sometimes I wake up this in the mornings and I want to, I want to, I, I would like thoughts go through my brain when I'm sleeping or whatever. You know, the enemy was accusing the Lord Jesus there in Pilate's Hall, right? And it brought all these accusers. And they, and it said this in the Gospels, one of the Gospels says that they couldn't agree on anything. Isn't that interesting? But then they finally settle on two that said, yeah, this man says he would destroy this temple and raise it in three days, right? That's their accusation. And that was the enemy against our blessed Lord Jesus as they were in the process of doing a mock trial or a, a, both a religious trial and a civil trial. The enemy is always wanting to accuse. But isn't this a beautiful thing there as we take up the last part of Ezra 5? how the enemy is pretty accurate in describing and giving the account here. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. When you read this here, you realize, huh, they, they're reporting it right. And so they're turning back to the, to the, uh, to the authorities and say, verse 17, the last verse of the chapter, they're saying, Hey, can you give an account of this? Is there such a thing out there? Is there such a thing going on here? Um, and so it's, it's beautiful to see that, that, uh, um, they are, they are, I, I really, really like this, this account here of, of this, of the enemy here. And uh, again, this is a big surprise to the enemy because of the fact that discouragement had set in. Discouragement had set in for, 
for 14, 15, 16 years, and they were now surprised to see the work of God going on. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see the work of God continue on in this type of vein. So that kind of wraps up our our chapter five of Ezra. We're going to continue on in chapter six next time, but I thought it'd be just such a beautiful thing to meditate upon. What is the enemy saying about me? What's the enemy saying about you? And uh, as we know, the Lord is watching. Lord is watching these uh, us go through this life. And the question is, is what purpose, what desire do I have for him? And do I have the same desire of these ones of old here? Do I have the same desire of this remnant coming back? It wasn't a beautiful thing when they arrived. Everything was demolished. Everything was burned up. Everything had been neglected for 70 years. God wanted it that way. He wanted that land to rest for 70 years. But they came back and they we've taken this up already, how they found the altar base. They're putting the altar up and they lay the foundation that's rejoicing. That's their purpose. That's their desire. What's my desire? today what's my purpose today for him because we're all going to have to step off this earth sometime and we have to understand huh what was i doing for the lord while i was here and the enemy does come the enemy gets active and so as we wait for his coming may the lord's name be blessed and uh, certainly look forward to seeing everybody next podcast you can jump over onto the favorite podcast platforms we're trying to get the word of god out and over on youtube and facebook uh, and such under common thoughts of christ and with that may the lord richly bless us as we read these words of our purpose as we move forward and we'll see you next time